Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 483 of the Milk Bar. Jason Price here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, uh, we'll have music from Super Drone. We'll be meeting the Rock Choir in Wolverhampton. Well, their leader and one of their members. The rest of them we may turn up and have a chat with later on. Also, we'll be finding out about the Panto, which is coming along in Litchfield, as they have Aladdin, which is going to be on stage very soon. We will also be hearing from John Clare. He's the author of a fantastic book, which tells you how to make your PowerPoint presentations much more interesting by using a secret weapon the magic of telling stories that's all on the way but first of all the team at Compton Care have launched a brand new project all aimed at encouraging young people to fundraise for them to tell us more I'm joined now by Vicky from their fundraising team good afternoon Good afternoon and thank you for um, inviting me along. No, no problem. Always good to talk to you. We love the work you do down there. It's helping so many people across the city. That does require a significant financial income. And through the Compton Champions Award and the Compton Young Ambassadors Award, running alongside your existing work with the Duke of Edinburgh programmes, this is another great way of raising awareness and funds for the hospice and all the other work that you do down there at Compton Care. Yes, yes, it is, yeah. As a charity, uh, we've worked for many years with local schools and with Duke of Edinburgh, Edinburgh groups uh, um, and various other groups to encourage them to fundraise and help us to continue to provide the support and care that we do. Um, but I think that over time we've realised that actually fundraising offers ample opportunities for young people to develop vital skills and experience in general. Um, and we kind of wanted to give something back to those that help us. Traditionally, fundraising and altruism have also proved to be excellent tools in in boosting positive mental health. Um, And it kind of is associated with happiness and reducing stress and creating a sense of belonging, um, with growing numbers of young people reaching out for help with mental health issues. And those in the 16 to 25 age bracket still facing quite high levels of unemployment. Um, We want to give something back and create opportunities that will provide tools for resilience Um, and empower our young supporters to achieve their dreams uh, by nurturing transferable skills that can be used on things like CVs and UCAS applications. Um, We've created dedicated primary and secondary schools programmes to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're very excited to launch them. Uh, The the launch was last week. Um, We've already had a massive response, which is brilliant. Um, each program has been carefully sort of crafted to complement the, the national curriculum and encourage young men and women to develop these broad skills for adulthood. At primary level, we kind of focus on developing empathy and healthy lifestyle. And at secondary level, the emphasis shifts to building team working skills, planning and organising, communicating with different audiences, uh, budgeting, um, sort of essential skills for the workplace, really. And these skills are going to be useful to them, whatever they do going forward. And it, it gives them an opportunity to have an understanding of the, 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 the kind of thing that's required in putting an event together, whether it could be putting a newsletter together, communicating through their school on, on something that's going on. But it also allows them to have an understanding of what the, the patients uh, are seeing. and It brings them into contact if they actually work on an event with, uh, with Compton, uh, into to older people in their community, in uh, an environment where there's a, a need from both sides and you're the facilitators to fulfil the need for your patients uh, in and out care, but also the, the need for these uh, youngsters to have a, a better grasp of, of how the world works around them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we want them to learn about about problems in the local community and how they can be solved. We want them to learn about our patients, um, which does involve meeting them and sort of, you know, developing social circles outside their normal school school areas. Um, We have a lot of young people come and work with us at Compton, um, work with the patients, they'll put on activities for them and, and this this brilliant interaction is great for reducing things like loneliness, which are very common in the community. Um, yeah, it's it's just a really a really good opportunity to mix these two groups and for them to understand how our nurses and doctors and all the the people here at Compton work, and then they can sort of look to you know um, get a bit of experience for future employment. 
Yeah, and the other thing about Compton is it is fun to be involved with. I mean, whether it's some of the events yeah. that I've worked on with you, I've seen you guys having a great time, all in a good course. Uh, and also, yeah, the sort of people who get involved and take part, whether it be something like the Colour Blast, uh, yeah, that sort of event, or on the other side of it, the craft workshops that take place. And all of this is, is therapy in some way, whether it's funding it or whether it's something for those patients to actually get them out of themselves, get them out of their homes and not be in a cycle of what can sometimes be despair based on some of the conditions that these people have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're absolutely about trying to get everybody to live the best lives possible um, and we want to get the message out there that Compton is about fun. It's um, Obviously, there's the very serious side to it, but we're really about, as I say, getting people to live the best life they can and we want our young supporters to see that too and, um, and sort of maybe um, dispel a few myths about sort of palliative care, really. It's not easy sometimes what these people are going through, but if they know there is something else alongside it, and so having having fortunate enough to come in and take a tour of your facilities a couple of times, you know, just to come along and talk to some of the patients, and they've got nothing but praise for the work that you guys do down there, and it's just a big part of their lives and they absolutely adore everything that goes on and that can only take place if there is the funding there for it and there is a, a big supporter base for Compton but you always need additional help. Yes absolutely and we're always trying to um, to bring on more help um, to keep us going because the services that we offer are very important in the local community, um, they're much needed and as you say you know um, we do help many patients every year um, to, to deal with these issues that they're facing. Um, so, yeah, the more fundraisers we can get on, on board, the better. And if we can give something back to those fundraisers, even better. An opportunity to do that. Where can they go to find out more? So you can either email fundraising at comptoncare.org.uk and we can organise all these packs to be sent to you. Um, or you can visit the website at www.comptoncare.org.uk. So lots of um, easy ways to get in touch. And yeah. you're a lovely bunch of people to talk to as well, aren't you? Thank you very much. So are you. Ah, oh, thank you. Vicky Wooden from Comptoncare, Care, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. In a moment's time, we'll be chatting with Superdrome. But before we do, let's take a little bit of a listen to their work. This is Save the Feeling.
Super Drone have a brand new album out there. It is Super Drone 2. The first single to come from it is Save the Feeling. To tell us more about what's been going on, I'm joined now by Ed Richards. Hello, sir. Hello, good morning. You all right? I'm good, and I trust we find you well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Thanks very much. Now, first of all, Just, I have uh, to I have to applaud you on the name of your website, the SuperDroneZone.co.uk is uh, just a, an, an awesome first take on uh, meeting the band online. But I mean, you guys have got a, a really interesting sound as well, uh, because cause to me, it's got the the feel of the the best of, of indie rock from probably the last two to three decades, uh, alongside that freshness that you've added on as an extra layer on top how do you do it that sounds like a great description yeah basically um just it's it's, it's not being able to find the uh, the music that we want to be uh, want to be listening to really you know i was sort of like a, a, a big fan of uh, the whole bands are big are big fans of the uh, the sort of shoegaze sound from the 90s um and uh, also going back to sort of the uh, music from the late 60s early 70s uh, or the, the Nuggets compilation kind of stuff, and it's just uh, embracing synths and, uh, and new technology as well, and just like crushing it all together and creating something that we want to we want to actually hear, you know. So, uh, like I say, if you, uh, if you, you know, sometimes if you want something done, you've got to do it yourself. But I say it is yeah, just a, a cool feel to the whole thing, though, because, as you say, you, you influences uh, from, from the 90s and the way that sounds built up from then, and they, of course, were interview, influenced by the, the 60s, as you mentioned, the 70s yeah. too. But we, you know, 50s was the birthplace of, of rock and roll, and it wouldn't really be you know, remiss to say that there's probably a hint of some of this in some of your music too, because, of, again, of the energy, the freshness. and. Yeah. With yeah, the, the the way the sounds built up, I mean, how does it work within the band? Because you're bass and uh, vocals, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but essentially, what happens? I write the songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and um, what I'll be doing is I'll be sort of like wandering around, and I'll get pretty much a whole form song just shoot itself into my head, and I've got to quickly sort of like duck down a, an alleyway and then pull out <laughs> my phone and sing it into my phone. So I've got all these weird voicemail sort of like messages of me sort of you know, generally singing drum beats and singing bass lines and things. And then I go home and put it all together. And um, we say in the band, sort of like, the, the things that I come up with are quite pop. And then you've got Tien Ren, the guitar player, and then he brings this kind of other element to it. And it, there's sort of, I'm the light and he's the shade kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of, it kind of complements each other. I can't possibly say Lennon McCartney, but Lennon <laughs> McCartney <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... I, I put it together and he adds the call and uh, and then I had loads of synths and then we normally had to sort of shred some off because uh, I'm way too into, into synths. I've got 80s analogue and Mellotrons uh, mainly my, my kind of drug. But you've obviously gone around collecting these things from all over the place. So is a tour for you basically a, a trip around music junk shops, picking up things that could be resurrected for the next album? I dream literally every single night about finding little music thrift stores with weird synths that I've never seen before and strange Indian instruments and all that kind of stuff. I love going to, to Wembley and going into the um, uh, the Indian music stores and just finding an instrument I've never seen before in my entire life. And, um, and, and, and yeah, absolutely, just just adding layers of stuff. Because the thing is with Super Drone 2 particularly, there are, you could listen to it all the way through and just think, oh, okay, that's a, that's a an indie rock album. But then, sort of second, third, fourth listen, you sort of think, what the hell's that instrument? Or, you know, is, is that a sitar? That's it. Or is that a, that sounds like an Indian drone on that? Well, that sounds like some Brazilian kind of. Do you know what I mean? So there's like lots and lots of uh, different kinds of instruments to sort of maybe interest the uh, the, the ears of the listener. The rock and roll palette. And, and do you play with post-production as well? I mean, once you've got this recorded, are you fiddling on top? Yeah, for too long. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Super Drone 2 was pretty much finished last August, and then we were in Abbey Road um, finishing it off in December. Um, so, yeah, we, we probably mess about a bit too much with it, and probably trying to sort of, we're trying to be a bit more um, um, hard on ourselves to sort of, you know, end something and think, well, look at that, that song's done now. Because it's ever so easy to finish something and then get a new bit of gear and think, oh, this will sound good on those songs that we've finished, mm-hmm. and then just start doing them again. So, yeah, we're being a bit more strict. 
But you did this with vocal collaborators as well, because it's not just your voice on here, you're bringing in friends and family. <laughs> kind of, yeah, absolutely. We've got um, Miranda Lee Richards, who uh, was in the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Um, she's uh, a, an amazing solo artist in her own right, um, and uh, she's, she's on the record. Because I made her website for her, and we were on the same record label together, and I used to work for her mm. too. And um, I got a chance to go over to Hollywood and hang out with her and, and that kind of thing. So when I was putting the record together, I just thought, oh, I'll ask Miranda if she can be on that Lava song. So, and she was up for it, so that was cool. And then, you know, a, a good friend, uh, uh, Bobby Lovejoy, she was in the band previously. She's gone off to do other things now, but uh, her vocals are on it, and her vocals will probably be on the, the next record as well. We just want to get, you know, whoever is up for collaborating, we want to do that again for the next album, definitely. And with the the whole sounds, the instruments, and 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 the people, are there are there instruments that you're looking for out or there on eBay to try and pick up, or is there a voice that you want on one of your future recordings that is currently proving elusive? Maybe, yeah. Um, we're we're sort of um, talking to um, Nick McCabe a little bit, the uh, guitar player from The Verve, and um, I've uh, interviewed him recently for the Super Drone podcast, which will be coming out soon. And um, he is just an absolute synth head as well. We, me and him are just <laughs> nerding out together. So um, I would love to uh, to get him doing some synth on a, a future record. But he knows the call's going to come. He knows it's going to happen. <laughs> he just, he probably flinching every single time he sees a message come through. Oh, they're going to ask me. But how can you not ask, the, you know, the, the, the guy from the Verve? You know what I mean? The cool guy from the Verve. Yeah. Ashcroft. Um... Ashcroft's obviously cool, but McCabe, that's where the call was. Next level, yeah. Absolutely. So the, this album, if people want to get their hands on this and go via the website, I mean, what what do they do? I mean, are, are you delivering it in some sort of peculiar psychedelic fashion as, as well as uh, your, your standard uh, CD, MP3? Are, are we talking 8-track 2? Have you gone that far? <laughs> Cassette, maybe. Um, that's more likely. The thing is, it seems like CDs have completely lost their value these days. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a CD and immediately on Music Magpie, it's worth 0.3p. Um, so, uh, so yeah, essentially, all we need to do is deliver the music at a, a high bitrate quality as possible. So it's on Tidal, Spotify, um, all the sort of big main streaming sites. But, yeah, I mean, we want to get some physical product put together, but it's, uh, it's, it's a tough one, really, because uh, we, we want it to be cool. But I just like what you just said a second ago with regards to 8-track. I think I'm going to Google that. Give it a go, oh, see what you can get do. Yeah. Eight track. yeah, absolutely, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Superdronezone.co.uk, as you said at the top of the interview, is where you can be found online. Socials as well, I trust? Absolutely, yeah, definitely just type Superdrone into anything and it comes up, or Superdrone UK. Um, yeah, yeah, nice one, yeah. Well, we'll continue to enjoy the music. It's sounding absolutely fantastic. I think I have turned into a fan now, so that's uh, good for me. Save the feeling of the single that's out there. It's all sounding absolutely fantastic. Uh, for now, though, Ed Richards, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much.
have more from Superdrone a little bit later on but let's keep a musical theme for now as we catch up with Rock Choir. Rock Choir is a phenomenon that's heading across the country they've even involved in the proms of late. To tell us more about the local resource we have their leader Kirk Hastings hello. Hi there. And a member Chris Morton. Hello. So uh, lots going on with the whole choir concept give us a a bit of background to, to exactly what is happening here. Okay, so Rock Choir um, has been going for about 12 or 13 years, mm-hmm. um, and it's been described by PRS professionals as one of the biggest cultural phenomenons in music over the past 10 or so years. Giving people who haven't had much previous experience with music at school or anything like that, gives them a chance to come along and give music a try. It doesn't have any necessities for auditions or need to read music in the past. Um, all, all they get given is a, a set of lyrics and they turn up and just have a great time. So if they can follow the tune when it plays on the wireless, then they can probably join in and have a bit of a sing-song at Rock Choir? Uh, pretty much, yeah. You get short into different sections, though. So you get either come a soprano, an alto, or a bass. Uh, you come in, I give you a harmony part, and we sing it question and answer sort of style. Um, then we form it into a full song, and then we go and perform it live. So, Chris, what's it like being part of this? Because you were a newbie at one point, so uh, what was it like when you first joined the Wolverhampton Choir? Yes, well, I've turned up on my own, such is my passion for music and choir, that I found myself there on the first week, meeting Kirk and uh, learning all about it. To be fair, I had read up about it before because Mm -hmm. uh, I saw Caroline Redman on TV talking about it, and I thought, this is the kind of choir I'd like to join, but they're... Up until now, there hasn't been one near enough for me to go to. But now it's suddenly burst into the Midlands with Kirk and his several choirs. So for me, I just went in and we're, we were given a piece of paper and Kurt's phrase is, you'll be fine, <laughs> and, uh, with the arm movement. And, uh, and we were. Just a year on, we've just started our second year and uh, I think most, if not all, that started are still there. Uh, plus we're having new new people come. So it's a growing thing, and you say growing choirs uh, across the, the, our Midlands area. You've got mm. four, as we say. So you've got Wolverhampton, Cannock. I also do rugby and Alsley, which is in Coventry. So those are a bit further away. A bit further away. But uh, rugby, I think, being your home, uh, is it? Or is it? Uh, are you more Coventry these uh, Coventry, I live in. Yeah. yeah, Coventry, I live in. So travelling around, but worthwhile travelling for these choirs. Oh, and, for sure. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. So... To do this every week and and travel up here, I really don't mind it. I've really got used to it. It's yeah. quite nice, actually. And uh, where do the music selections come from? Uh, so they are arranged by 
from the very top, which is Caroline Redmond Lesher, who started the whole of Rock Climb about 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it still goes through her what songs we have, um, and they, they arrange them. Rock Climb has our, our own arrangements that we do. Um, then it gets fed down through every leader um, into every single choir, which one of the best things at Rock Choir is pretty much every every choir that we have are doing the same thing at the same time, which is what makes it truly a phenomenon. But it does mean things like the flash mob that took place as part of the proms can come together. We, what, did 10,000 people heading across the UK? 10,000 around the UK, yeah, that came along to watch us at proms in the park. Um, and they joined in with this huge 10,000 flash mob, which were members of the audience that were Rock Choir members, surrounding every other member that was there with, with a gold star. That must be amazing. It must be great to get on and sing this. But what are you performing to? Is it backing tracks? Do you have live musicians? How do you work it? Um, for the proms, it was actually a really rare coincidence. We actually got to do it with an orchestra, with the BBC, Final, uh, BBC Proms Orchestra, mm -hmm. um, um, which was incredible. But it, again, it was the arrangements that we usually, we usually have uh, backing tracks. So whenever we have a choir, we take out um, a couple of PAs with us and we put a backing track on and we just sing wherever wherever we can get a gig we'll sing. <laughs> but does this mean though that uh, if you want to take a, a copy away you can have a bit of sing song in the car and rehearse your bit so you're ready for when you get along to choir next week? Uh, brilliant well actually what Rock Choir does which is unlike many other choirs in the country is we have our own intranet system that members are uh, when they become a member they can log into and they get access to all the different tracks that we've ever done as a choir not only that but they also get to download their parts so if they're an alto or a soprano they get to download just that part they can sing that bit until they, they know it off by heart, they can come in the next week and sing it just as we're at home. See, the thing is, you're saying things like alto, soprano, whatever. Did you know what you were before you joined? Well, I did, because <laughs> I'm in another choir, a more traditional mm -hmm. ladies' formal choir, yeah. which I love and I'm still in. But rock choir gives you something different. It's a bit more, it's a lot more relaxed in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, with an, I don't read music. You don't need to read music. Mm -hmm. uh, you're just given the lyrics and they're written and emphasised for your parts and the different parts are written on there so once you and you your first week if you're not sure you, you think well I've got a deep voice I better go in the basses and then we've got we've got men in the bass section so you might find actually I'm not as deep as I thought <laughs> I was so move yourself you know and fi find your comfort zone yeah because when you are singing it will with a bit that's comfortable on your voice you don't want to put mm -hmm. strain on things and I suppose being part of an organised choir like this you actually get to do a bit of warm up and somebody starts working you through and that's Kirk in charge of making sure that everybody's happy he does yeah yeah he he, he does the warm up and, and we have a lot of fun doing mm. the warm up and he'll he'll find something to, to test us some sort of tongue tweeze there you go. There you go, tongue twister already, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Some tongue twister that we can we can get our mouths round and get warmed up before we start singing. And that makes it all part of the fun as well, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And what's the social aspect like for this as well? Because you, you must hang around with these guys after the event too. It, it's great actually and, and getting better and, and unfortunately I wasn't able to go to the proms so I missed out on that. But within weeks of knowing that we might have this this big gig as we saw it mm -hmm. somebody said well why don't we all go on a bus let's get a coach so it just it just it, rolled it snowballed into yeah, 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 yeah. we got a, a coach and event. then let's take a picnic we'll all have a picnic together and you know and uh, it's it's built the camaraderie even more mm -hmm. and uh, it's just just great, isn't it? To see these relationships blossom um, is fantastic on my side, purely as, a, as people watching. Mm -hmm. It's been fantastic to see. I mean, there, there's um, a couple of people in, in Wolverhampton Choir um, that are friends, even though they're in sections that are on the other side of the room. Every break, they'll, they'll, they'll zip in. They wave to, to each other during tracks. Exactly, <laughs> and they'll, they'll come together. And actually, I saw a photo the other day um, of uh, a bass and a soprano in West Park. And they bumped into each other just out of complete randomness, but they took a selfie together and put it on, on social media. I'm kind of hoping there was some sort of musical moment that happened there as well, with a bit of a sing-song around the borders. But uh, that... well, I've seen some videos on the coach of the proms, and that has happened. I got sent a few of those, them singing through rock choir songs all the way down to London. Absolutely, nothing wrong with rehearsing as you, as you travel. So where do people go to find out more about all of this? Is it something they can just turn up to? Is there a cost involved? What, what's the gen on this? Sure, okay, well every single person that's interested in rock choir gets a free taster. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is go to rockchoir.com, type in your postcode and it'll tell you the nearest choirs to you. In Wolverhampton, that's him. That is me. Um, and in Cannock as well. Or yeah. Rugby and Aussie if you're there as well. And once you've done that, you can sign up to a free taste. And you pick, pick the session you want to go to. It doesn't have to be the first one of the term. It could be any single session that's, that's to your leisure. 
um, you get the free first one and hopefully within that free session we'll convince you to join up. Mm-hmm. And how much is it to, to get involved on a regular basis? Okay, so um, there's a few different ways to go about it. So it, it works out to about £25 a month, mm-hmm. um, which is what most people go for, that option of, of, of paying for per calendar month. But you get all the backing tracks and everything that go along tracks, with that. You yeah. get um, access to lyrics. Well, it's the lyrics that really cost the money, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy how, how much the licensing is for that. But you get all of that. You get lyrics so you can print, print off at home and write all over any tips that may help you. Mm-hmm. Access to the downloads. We organise all the gigs. Um, there's also some fantastic opportunities in the pipeline, um, such as singing at Abbey Road and doing a recording there. Um, the Proms, for instance, one of those. One of those. We've done stadium shows before, theatre shows, um, and with gigs as they come, it can be anything from a, a local fate to maybe singing at Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Stadium. He's now going to try and put a, a request <laughs> in to get singing on the match day. We will see how that works out. Who knows? But yeah, there are lots of opportunities, some great stuff to do, and yeah, rock choir is basically a bit of a fun way of doing it all as well. It is, yeah. It is. It. I, I would, I totally endorse it, and would would say to anybody that thinks, oh, I'd quite like to. But I don't know if I can. You can. Yeah, you certainly. Can. Give it a go. Yeah. And maybe if you're worried about carrying a tune as well as you'd like to be able to, number one, Kirk will stick you at the back. No, he won't. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but no, he, you'll be coached through and, and learn how to get the best out of your voice. Yes, yes, yeah. So there's, there's yeah. lots of ways around it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only way to improve your voice is to keep singing. So keep coming. Have a go. Um, have a go. Use our warm-ups. Use them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then use the songs to sort of train your voice into singing in harmony and in key mm-hmm. um, and it, it, just, it just comes it really right. does it give us the web address so the web address is www.rockwire.com so simple as that rockwire.com check out all the details and what nights do you do on Cannock and Wolverhampton okay so Monday night um, I'm in Cannock at Staffordshire University Academy it's a brand new thing we've just, just started going there um, at 7.30 on Thursday at 7.30 we're at Longnell Primary School in Wensfield on the east side of Wolverhampton so rockwire out there entertaining people but getting people entertained by singing and having a great time and the camaraderie and everything that goes with it. Well, Kirk and Chris, thanks for joining us. Ooh.
So there we go. That's the national team from Rock Choir doing their version of Shut Up and Dance. I love that song. I love their version of it. Brilliant stuff. We have with me two of the stars of Dick Whittington, at Little Garrick, from the 29th of November through to the 5th of January. He's very good. This, this is amazing already. So yeah, we've added a whole extra week. We've added extra shows in our extra week. And we've also, for the first time ever since I've been here, I don't know whether it's ever, but first time since I've been here, we've got two, three show days on a Sunday. They are working us to the bone. Are they paying you anymore? We're not happy about it. No, no, no. I mean... Angry. I'm not going to know whether I'm coming or going that day. Yeah. You know, when we do one in the morning and yeah. then finish in the evening with one also in between in the afternoon, I'm not going to know what I've said or done so in what show. My advice is book the third show on those Sundays because it will be an experience. You won't know what's going on. It'll so, be fun. So, Ben Thornton, Sam Rayburn, yes. good to have you back here you. in Litchfield, isn't it? Because I mean, this, this is like multiple years. And it, you've never had a booking that's gone on so long third, before, have you? Only my repeat bookings with Greg's for Sausage Roll. They keep booking <laughs> me to go back in. I mean, no, it's our third year to get a third year here third year together as well three is the magic number so this is going to be a very special year i think and we've got a really good show in store for our third special year all bad luck comes in threes could be that one yeah. or the other mm. keep yeah. your fingers crossed our for the... 13th year in 10 years time <laughs> is going to be very bad <laughs> but dick whittington Yes. And uh, it's a panto that isn't as regularly seen, which I think is nice, quite nice in itself, isn't it? It's not the most popular. Um, well, it will be this year. Well, here, here, it is actually. It's, in Litchfield, it's, it's going to be the most popular It's already the most popular yeah. because it's already selling, like, it's, it's breaking, breaking records. Breaking yeah. records before mm. we've even started. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I believe it's probably not as popular because Disney, the big D, has never done um, it as a cartoon or a live action film. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, I say this a lot, but uh, if people ask me what my favourite pantomime is I always say it's Dick Whittington I think there's something magical about it I think because it starts off in in London and we travel we go on the we go we go sailing we go, we go to boat, foreign yeah. shores yeah. so we get lots Start of different London, things we do which is far from Litchfield so <laughs> but that's even you a know about London but, don't you but, but I do now. yeah mm. I same capital letter which is good isn't it that's uh, true and mm. they've both got cathedrals cathedrals thank yeah. you anything else we often finish each other's sentences yeah you wait till it's you in court and you want to try to go on. Don't go there. But, um, it's, it's of, sorry. Uh, so, so um, t tell us about your characters this year then. Uh, well, I'm playing Dolly the Cook, so um, I work for Alderman Fitzwarren and I run a sweet shop. And I'm playing Billy, Silly Billy, who is my classic character of funny, silly, uh, be having a laugh with this one a lot. Hopefully. And um, I'm your... If you want to say it, you're going to have to stick to it now. Okay. Do you want to be? Do you want to do it? I thought I was her son. Right. Well, let's or, hope you are. So now I've said it on camera, we may have to stick oh, with it. But no, no, one's, no one's really sure. But it's, it's going to be fantastic. Like an whether. episode of Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact you're both the same age as well. That's the worrying part. But there we go. I don't no, know if that's an insult. I don't know if that's me. an insult to me or not. <laughs> I'm going your way, Jason. Yeah, I know the hair can no. disappear. In fact, 12 months ago there was more of it, wasn't there? <laughs> there was. You need one of these lovely wigs because that's <laughs> wigs. Oh, sorry, sorry. Dare you. you naturally grow nylon hair. I always say it's not a bald spot. It's a solar panel for a joke machine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking at your face, there's not been much sun. I don't think. So. <laughs> that's the way it's going to be. So, uh, what else do I need to know? Come on. Uh, well, we've got a lot lined up this 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 year. We've got a really um, a really really good songs, haven't we? We've got so some great, very good songs. We've got some very good uh, some very good music. I tell you what, we have we don't edit here from CBBS. Yes, uh, my favourite CBBS. We've got Katrina from Nina and the New Runs, which I couldn't say earlier, but Nina no, and even the practicing that. Uh, no, Katrina and Nina just didn't trip off my tongue earlier <laughs> for some reason. But she's uh, great. She seems you know she's going to be great. She's a yes. right laugh. Um, all the way from Scotland to being here. Well, so go. we've got a Scottish fairy. Yep. We've yep. got a Welsh alderman. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got... Um, an Essex boy. An Essex boy. <laughs> a Bristolian lush who's going to be our lovely pussycat. Yeah. Uh, we're going all over the place. Yeah. I, I'm, at the moment. And we've got some local people from Leicester. Someone Leicester. from Leicester just up the road. Um, so and musical directors from Derby. So there's a few people still commuting from the area. And this year, not only am I from Sutton Coalfield, we've got um, one of our ensemble dancers is from Sutton Coalfield and our DSM, who is... Uh, this is this is really press-worthy. Deputy stage yes, manager. Yes, I was about to say. Yeah. DSM not is everyone, the stage stuff. Not everyone it? does a briefs. Hmm. <laughs> she is the only doctor of stage management she's done a phd in it so we got somebody that we have to call a doctor cattell she sits in the corner and she, yeah. she insists that we call a doctor because she's that important uh -huh. she's the only one in the world <laughs> so we've got we've gone all over the country this year uh, we've got such a strong and lovely cast we've met them all today and i have to say 
it's just such a nice feeling in this room when you get such a nice group of people together. Yeah. Uh, we've got a guy called Simon Barnum who's choreographing the show this year, so he's a brand new choreographer. And I think he's going to bring something really nice and fresh to the show. And do you want to talk about our favourites? Because we're getting quite well known for doing slosh. You've yeah. done this slosh now, now you, You've done some amazing <laughs> slosh in the past. I didn't ask for that, but thank but you. But you have. You have. It's brilliant. So you were going to ask us, weren't you? <laughs> I, well, I was, I was kind of scared about asking in case there wasn't going to be slosh. Yeah. Ooh. Well, do you know what? There are some pantos where there aren't a slosh, and I feel like now with this Litchfield audience, they, they come to expect it of us, so we have to sort of make it better. And obviously, the first year me and Sam were here, we did the bathroom scene, which we're, we still get talked about after yeah. the show yeah. and when we get to, you know in the street and stuff people still talk about the bathroom scene it was amazing loads of water um how many gallons uh 2000 gallons 2000 oh, gallons ev every night water and it was absolutely freezing sometimes they put ice in it just to <laughs> just to really muck me around at least keep you awake and then last year obviously we tried to top that and did another routine with, with much more foam um but this year i mean it's nerve-wracking saying it but i've done this slosh routine before he and has. i've I'm watched not, him do it i'm not giving anything away but i think we could top the bathroom it's it's it, it brings some danger involved Ooh. as well and I think it will be a it will be a, I, I, a I've seen him do it so I've seen I saw the bathroom and then I did the bathroom uh, in Yeovil then here so Ben's also uh, Ben's done the, the this slosh routine and he's going to do it here I saw him do it in Shrewsbury and I have to say I was belly laughing for a good five minutes after the scene had finished I think <laughs> and she's happening. really she he's yeah, really boring you, so, you're you know. de definitely in your mother's <laughs> mindset now exactly. that, that's, that's the way uh, the only other question is noodle box yeah. Whenever you're around, there's normally a noodle box involved in some. There's, there's something this year, but it's not a noodle box. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm Dolly the cook. Yeah. I've got a sweet shop. I'll give you that much. Okay. Okay. That's it. Mm, answers on a postcard. Th there's potential, isn't there? There's, there's potential. amazing potential there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a fantastic show. It is Dick Whittington is here at the Litchfield Garrick from the 29th of November through to the 5th of January. Oh one five four three four one two one two one is the box office number, or you can book online at litchfieldgarrick.com. What's our Twitter handle? Uh, that's up to you. You've got to do that. You're it's uh, at the underscore Garrick. There we go. There you, go. you had your use after all. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant seeing you two again. Looking Thanks, forward to the panto. We, oh, oh, good. We could do a handshake. We've got sanitizer. We do a kiss on the floor. There you go. I'll never oh, be, look. And I'm never going to be the same again after that.
Storytelling, the presenter's secret weapon, is a brand new book out there. It's been put to press by John Clare and Lion's Den are the publisher. And he joins me now to tell me more about it. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Jason. Thank you for your time. No, it's good to talk to you and good to have you along. And having sat through, I think, what is often described as death by PowerPoint on a number of occasions, we need more people like you out there telling the story. In fact, we only need you because you are telling us how to tell a story through a presentation uh, to make whatever it is we're talking about more interesting. Well, I'm delighted to hear that, Jason. Do you want to be my agent? Uh, well, if there's good money to be made, I'm always there. But there's good PowerPoint presentations which need to be put together because PowerPoint isn't the problem very often. It's the way people use it. I, I think that's right. I mean, blaming PowerPoint for bad presentations is like blaming cars for road accidents. You know, it's really not PowerPoint's fault at all. I think that the point for me is this, and I've sat through thousands of presentations over 25 years. I've given many, many, many <laughs> hundreds. So I thought a lot about this. The problem is what we are lacking is engagement and inspiration. People are stuck in the land of inform. So they say, I'll inform them, I'll give them this information. It doesn't matter how I do it. Sit there, listen to it, and take it away. And that doesn't work in a presentation. A presentation is a human thing. It needs to be interesting. It's, it needs to be inspiring. And that's what's missing. So that's where I started with my new book. Well, I like the fact that you cover things like the seven deadly sins as well. Uh, think, uh, putting stuff like too much information in there is, is a given, but so many people are guilty of this when they're putting uh, a set of slides together. You ignore what the audience needs. That's your sin number two. And all of this stuff, I won't give the whole seven because I don't want to give the whole game away. But uh, the, you know, the, the, there are things in there which, which are, to someone like yourself who regularly presents, quite obvious, but to someone who's a novice or someone who thinks they're professional but has people that you know, people have dropped off during the meetings, it is, it is quite important. They, they really start to think about this stuff, and that's before they start the important part of this book, which is actually telling a story to make it interesting. Absolutely. It is interesting that, you know, Jason, because sometimes I show people a video of a bad presenter, obviously properly done by an actor, and I say, what is this person doing wrong? And everybody knows it. So I say, OK, we got this written on the flip chart. This is now your scorecard for your own presentations later today. And they then go up and say, make the same mistakes that the actor has made. Well, you just mentioned flip charts there as well, because, I mean, you, you do point out a flip chart alongside a PowerPoint presentation can be a really strong tool when it comes to helping to tell your story. I think it can. The thing about a flip chart is it's quite, it, it's a physical thing. It's quite tactile, you know, getting the points of view from people, then physically writing it on the flip chart. Even if, like me, you have kind of bad handwriting. It's, a, <laughs> it's much more engaging than clicking through slides. But getting on to the storytelling, I mean, I'm glad you pick up on that, because that's really what the book's about, and that's why I call it the presenter's secret weapon. Because if you think of the great presenters, you know, whether it was Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or, you know, Churchill Kennedy, all those great, great names, um, they're all there because they're telling stories. And that's what engages us. That's what makes us stand up, stand out of the crowd. In a, in a big conference or a business meeting. And what you talk about here as well, I mean, there's one point where you talk about the personal story and how it, mm. it, it can be about you because everybody knows best their own lives and the way in which whatever it is they're presenting about has touched their lives. And by going in there and saying, look, this is what I've done, this is how what I do makes something more you know, it useful, work better for me, or however you're selling it, whatever it is you're getting across through your own eyes is the best way of describing it because somebody else will click on on that when they're, they're listening to your speech and know that actually it can be for them too or it's something that they need to use in their life as well. Oh, that's right. I mean, you know, very often people are sitting in an, in a, an auditorium, a business meeting and thinking, what's in this for me? And the best way to establish what's in it for them is to tell them a personal story. So how did I use this particular kit? What did I do in this particular circ um, circumstance? Not saying I'm cleverer than they are or better than they are in any way. Certainly don't want to be patronising. But I do want to give them a, an example of how they can use this particular idea that I hope will be relevant to their lives or their work. And it works. You know, people come up and say, that was great. Interesting, Jason, when someone comes to you at the end of a presentation and says, that was really good, when they say to me, I say, that was great. What did you like about it? Because just saying it was good doesn't really tell me anything. No, no, it's not. There's yeah. nothing there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I like to know, oh, that was great. Thank you for that. What did you like? 
And that, you know, that's, again, when we're engaging with the audience and getting them to think about it. Yeah, because you can tell whether they're being polite then or whether they really were listening. And if they're able to yeah. give you something back, you know that actually you did engage with them. This is what they picked up on. And this is, oh yeah, that's how you've really built this up over 25 years of PowerPoint and presentations on top of your, the, the, the 40 years you spent presenting to people with uh, your journalism background as well. That, that really does bring these things to life and, and equally it's presentation types as well and uh, your book actually gives clues and hints to people on the yeah, the type of presentation whether it's informational educational something that's instructional however it is they need to go about it and, and because you've worked in all these areas you're able to give some really fantastic advice well that's good to know thank you I mean the way I look at it now it's interesting you mentioned 40 years because I have done this a long time as you know <laughs> um, where we are now as of today we are in the attention economy. Now, companies like Google, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, they are spending billions of dollars to capture people's attention. Mm -hmm. And when you are the presenter, for a few seconds at the start, you have their attention. And what a lot of people do is they waste it. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want them to do, I'm on a crusade to get people to catch the audience's attention and then keep it and then do something with it. And that's where I think storytelling, the presenter's secret weapon, actually comes in, because it gives them the techniques to actually do that, rather than just saying, sit back and read this and enjoy it. Okay, it's sit back, read it, enjoy it, but do it. And here are some physical things you can do yourself. And I like the fact as well you also advocate occasionally the use of props as well, something physical which will help to tell that story. And it could be uh, an item that you're talking about as part of the tale, or it could just be a, a memory aid to, to go back to uh, as part of what you're saying to them. Yeah, it could. It's also, it makes it very memorable. You know, I can still remember from many, many years ago, for example, I once saw a, a cardiac surgeon uh, blow up a surgical glove, you know, a latex glove that surgeons use when they're operating. Uh -huh. I remember him blowing it up and sticking a pin in different places to illustrate what happens in your heart if you do the wrong thing. And that was 20 years ago, and I still remember it clearly today because it was memorable, it was a prop, and it made a proper point. And that, for me, is another thing about the storytelling, is your stories have to make a proper point. You can't just go up there and try and be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> it's got to be a story with, with, with a point to it that's relevant to the audience. And it's a story that you can tell with the help of pictures and diagrams within your presentation. Again, probably a more general presentational point. It's all about scale. And uh, I love the uh, the illustration in your book about the different sizes of molecules. So I've got a chemistry background, so uh, that, that oh. uh, drew me in. But uh, when you were looking at the size of an aspirin molecule compared to some of the, the large larger molecules which also act as painkillers or analgesics in our system and uh, the way in which you demonstrate that and depending on your audience you were talking about how yes you can put a picture of the molecule up there and that may mean something to some people but if you've got a, a less chemistry based or less biochemistry based audience putting to the size of different tankers in there so they can get an idea of scale from pictures of ships underneath the molecule names just so they, they got uh, something they can scale and understand in their own lives. That's right. So, you know, something like aspirin, which, is you, as you and I know, is a very, is, is, has a very simple formula. That's a bit like a fishing trawler. But you go up to some of these very powerful immunotherapy or cancer drugs, they're like a cruise liner. Mm -hmm. And when you show people those two pictures, they say, well, this is what we're developing today. Now, obviously, it's clear that to develop this and make it, store it, and administer it is a massive, massive, massive enterprise compared with giving someone an aspirin that was invented over 100 years ago. Yeah, it started off with people sucking tree roots, but it's, a, it's amazing the way things have moved on. So, with this book, this is a development of the PowerPoint presentation, really, and it's a chance for people to get an understanding of what to do and how to do it from somebody who really knows their stuff. I mean, this must have taken you a while just to put pen to paper on all this, because it's quite clearly uh, a, a labour of love gone into this to, to help share your knowledge here. Well, I'm glad it comes across like that, Jason, because it really is a labour of love. And the thing about writing a book, and I've this is my sixth book, nobody tells you to get on with it. You know, you have an idea, you say, OK, great, I'll do this. And then three months later, you aren't done with it, because like, like you, I'm a journalist by background. So if I haven't got a deadline, things don't happen. <laughs> so, so, so I have to impose deadlines on myself. So it took about a year to write it, but 25 years to gather the material. That's how I would say it. So... It's come together, it is now out there, and it is something which is a resource available to anybody who's putting a PowerPoint presentation together. You've got, you know, give me a 60-second sell on the book. What else would you say to really turn people's heads on this? 
I would say the way to engage with people is to tell them stories rather than dumping data. Stop reading slides, start engaging with them as human beings. And you can tell stories in a number of ways, and you've already mentioned personal stories. We call this thing a memorable moment, so a personal story is a great way of doing it. Startling statistics is another. Great quotes is another. Fabulous pictures. I mean, you know, you know where I find the best pictures? On the radio. Because <laughs> people, people paint pictures with their words which are very, very memorable. If you haven't heard it, the woman who was diagnosed with early Alzheimer's talking about how she explained Alzheimer's to her colleagues as a bookcase where the books fall out at different stages. Absolutely riveting and absolutely fantastic. So, I mean, read a lot as well, you know, don't just go to presentations. Read a lot, watch things and think, how can I take that technique into my next talk? Well, Lion's Den Publishing have this book available now. You can get it wherever you get your books from. Uh, the websites people can go to to find out about more about you and uh, the, the book itself? Yep, indeed. It's called uh, Presenting... Uh, sorry, it's called Storytelling the Presenter's Secret Weapon. Put that into Google or any other search engine. It will take you either to Amazon to buy the book or to the website for the book itself. So check it all out, find out more. But certainly, if you are a presenter, you need this book to help you get an understanding of your way of teaching uh, or talking or selling through the magic of PowerPoint and making sure that you don't fall short of your potential. John Clare, former TV and newspaper journalist as well as being Chief Executive at Lions End Communications, thank you for joining us and telling us a bit more about the presenter's secret weapon. Jason, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. That's it all for this week. Back with episode 484 next week. I will see you then. For half an hour. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.